Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Backbench Drivers. I'm your host, John Lawson, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Matthew Fisher. And joining me here for the first time ever, we've got the founder of Young Conservatives for Christ and Young Liberal member, Jeremiah Ambrose. He's going to be appearing as a guest today, and we're going to be talking about a broad range of topics, about the right in general, across the country, and the Liberals, I think, we'll be diving into. So, how are you guys going? Great to have you. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Yeah, well as well. Thank you. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on, Jeremiah. Great to have someone who's a member of the Liberals. We've had Barkley McGain on in the past, who unfortunately has been expelled as a member for the moment, although he's hoping to get back into the party. So it is great to have someone who um, has some insider knowledge and has some expertise working within the party. Yes, yeah, um, no, I did. Yep. Sorry, sorry. to interrupt you. <laughs> Didn't mean to interrupt. No, I was, I was just saying that I did have a conversation with Barclay a little bit earlier in the, I mean, last year and talking about um, his departure from the party too, but yeah. Yeah, no, he's a good guy. I hope he uh, he gets back into the party like he wants. Mm, um, yep. So, without further ado, I guess we'll dive into uh, straight away. What is Young Conservatives for Christ and why did you found it? Yeah, so the Young Conservatives for Christ, we're a youth-based initiative um, and our main focus is on actually getting young Christians involved in the political process. Um, And we do that by working with other organisations like the Australian Christian Lobby um, and these sorts of organisations. Uh, but we also do it through um, organising our own campaigns and elections and, and all sorts of things. Um, we are relatively new. We were only founded, I think, July last year, um, but we're starting to get underway now. I think we got branches in Victoria, Queensland, New South Wales and Tasmania, and we're about to start one up in ACT as well. Um, so we are growing. Uh, we just started our website now too, um, and we've got our first conference coming up on the 24th of January this month. Well, congratulations. Yeah, I've seen you've got some pretty high-profile guests coming along. Uh, would you like to say some of the names? Yeah, so um, we've got Erica Betts, um, obviously former senator, for Tas- uh, former Liberal senator for Tasmania, um, also was leader of the government in the Senate um, during the Abbott Prime Ministership, um, and he's been a consistent defender of conservative Christian values, um, and so he's, he's going to be an excellent guest to have on. We also have Senator John O'Dunham joining us, another Liberal Senator for Tasmania. He's also um, a strong Christian and has always stood up for Christian values and conservative values, um, along with the Associate Pastor for the church where um, we will be having the conference at. And we've got uh, Josh Garvin, who's the Tas Young Liberal President down here. Um, and we'll have someone from the ACL, Sarah Hayes, coming on as the uh, who's the national campaigns coordinator for the ACL. Yeah, it's a pretty star-studded lineup. Um, I probably should have mentioned <laughs> for anyone listening, but uh, you're, I think, the first Tasmanian that we're having on. So congratulations on that achievement. <laughs> all right, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, so uh, this all stems from your involvement in the Young Liberals in Tasmania. Is that correct? You were originally a member before you started YCFC. Um, so I only became a member for the Liberals um, last year, late last year, because um, I was only eligible age-wise last year. I'm, I'm still 16. Um, but the YCFC was started, I think, slightly a little bit before I became a Liberal member. Um, but a lot of starting it was to do with when I was um, 
when when I was first looking into politics and and got my interest in politics, um, I was looking for an organisation that was able to champion conservative values consistently. And though the Liberal Party, I think, um, has some great people in it, like Erica Betts, like John O'Dunham, um, I think I was looking for something that was consistently conservative, uh, especially on social values and social issues. And there wasn't really an organisation in this space, especially especially in Tasmania. Um, so that's what the Young Conservatives for Christ was aiming to do, especially yeah, for no, a, uh, a faith-based seen approach. Conservative Christian values. Oops, sorry. Uh, you cut out there for a second. I thought you'd stop talking. Uh, All right, no worries, no worries. Just continue on. Do you know if there's any reason why you're cutting in and out a little bit? It might be an internet problem or... Um, I will... It do you want me to just... On my end. I'll it just go check something quickly and then I'll be right back, if that's all right. Okay, no stress. All yeah, good. thank you. Okay. Hello, sorry about that. Is that all is good. It a bit better at the moment? It's good for the moment, yeah. Uh, we'll see yeah. how we go. Sorry, could you just okay. repeat the last point? Uh, I thought maybe we were just cutting in and out, but I think it would have been recorded regardless. Uh, I, I think right, I missed okay. some details. Um, yeah, no, I was just saying that um, it was... Especially, I was especially looking for an organisation. When you're ready, um, a conservative organisation from a faith faith based approach, um, and it there's there's not many organisations like that in this sphere um, with a conservative with conservative values, but from a faith based approach, um, and really trying to change the um, the way we look at politics and how we approach politics. But yeah, you mentioned that you were 16. Not many 16 year olds across the country are starting movements are joining the young liberals what drew you at such a young age to this calling um well i've i've often i've always had um a great interest in politics um and 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 culture um but really it was my faith which drove me to um to where i'm at um because i feel as if there are so many areas um in australia and around the world um where faith is in decline and and our our the the social fabric um of especially the west is really falling apart um and so i felt that this is a space where we can really get involved um and we can start to change the conversation change the narrative um and i think a faith based conservative organization can really effectively do this yeah, no, absolutely right. There's not a lot of space for people to advocate, even within the Liberal Party, for Christian values or even conservative values these days. So it's good yep. that you took initiative yep. and stepped up. Um, do you expect to see a large success uh, nationwide with uh, the organisation in terms of influencing the Liberals? Well, look, um, I've been really um, happy with, with our start so far and, and with what we've been able to achieve um, in this short amount of um, time. Um, and and the the thing is that a lot of our especially a lot of our key figures in different states are involved in the Liberal Party in their respective states. Um, for example, we have Jeremy Basley as one of our board members, um, and he's a Queensland Young LNP member. Um, and so we've got all these young Liberals and 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 also people outside of the party um, all over the all over the country um, who are who are just dedicated to a Christ like approach to politics. Um, and to forward advancing conservative values um, in the Liberal Party and in politics more broadly. Um, yeah, I might I think, as well get your sorry. take at the moment. Uh, oh, sorry, were you still talking? No, 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 go ahead. Oh, sorry, I thought it, it's still cutting out a little bit, it seems. But um, All right, sorry about that. Okay, I was just going to ask, um, so what are the top priorities as a Christian within politics? Uh, what are you pushing for? 
Yeah, at the moment we've got quite a narrow view um, because because we're trying to you know see what's achievable um, and we don't want to be focusing on too much. I mean, as the organisation more broadly. Um, so we're really focusing on three things at the core, and that's faith, family, and life. Um, so we're looking at faith, uh, advancing um, Christian Christian values in, in culture, um, and that also means um, trying to maintain that Judeo Christian heritage and not and not throw it out like it is so often done, um, like we so often see in modern culture. Um, and also, we want to we want to protect religious institutions like churches and schools, um, which are frequently under attack in state and uh, in, in 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 our various states, and also in some of the legislation we see nationally as well. Um, in terms of life, obviously, that is to do with euthanasia and abortion. Um, every state and territory now has abortion legal up until birth, and euthanasia is legal in every state and territory as well. So that's a a big issue for us. Um, and family, it's to do with, you know, protecting the sanctity of marriage, that sort of thing, um, really getting back to family values. Yeah, these, um, these are the crucial social issues of our time. And yep. coming up into Lent, we have 40 Days of life, for Life, which is a movement. A lot of young people are involved with it. Is your organisation going to be involved with 40 Days for Life campaigning, supporting, that kind of stuff? Um, yeah, so we're not currently involved, um, but we are always looking into you know what we can do. Um, we're in conversations with organisations like Right to Life Australia, these sorts of places. So wherever we see an opportunity, we will get involved. Um, and it's a lot to do with how we can coordinate different states, that sort of thing. But but if if we um, if we have the time and the ability, then that's certainly something we'll look at. Yeah, it unfortunately seems that a lot of the conservative establishment, the liberals as well, have basically given up on ever rolling back uh, the abortion laws and the euthanasia laws that exist at the moment, which are starkly anti-Christian. Um, and really the strategy has shifted to sort of trying to gain concessions in terms of um, stretching out the amount of, uh, sorry, minimising the amount of weeks that a woman can receive an abortion after. Um, do you advocate for a wholesale reversal i imagine that you would as a focused christian group yes yeah um so obviously the ideal situation is we have um abortion outlawed across australia um and euthanasia as well but we do have to look at what practical what practical steps we can take um but unfortunately even even the liberal party is not willing to reduce the amount of weeks, that sort of thing. I, I, I haven't seen enough of it from the party. Um, and this is the really crucial thing. I mean, I wrote a book earlier in the year, last year, um, called Into the Wilderness, The Future of the Liberal Party. And that is talking about how the Liberal Party has completely abandoned any, any, um, any willingness to tackle social issues. And they need, to, they need to at least start to take practical measures to reduce the availability of abortions, to reduce the avail availability of um, euthanasia. Um, and they need to not shy away from any issue that is controversial. And that was one of the problems with Scott Morrison and his last um, prime ministership. Although he was quite effective in many other ways, and he did have a faith basis. And I mean, there are certain areas where he did very, very well. But ultimately, that last election came down to him too unwilling to address the issues that might in any way seem controversial. Yeah, um, you just briefly mentioned uh, your work into into the wilderness, the future of the Liberal Party. For those unacquainted with that at home, can you briefly describe it for them? Yeah, sure. So um, 
I filmed a documentary and wrote a book last year under that title, um, and that was really trying to get at the history of the Liberal Party, especially Menzies and and the values that he um, and that he espoused, um, and look at different prime ministerships and whether they stuck to those values and how that affected how they did in elections. And ultimately, what we saw was that um, when when the party stuck to the values and and stuck to the truth. And, and really advocated for things, even when it might not seem popular, they still, the Australian people respected that and they elected them in. I mean, for uh, if we look at John Howard, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, the cowardice within, that is, absolutely, oh, sorry, you're still talking, I've done it again. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You, uh, you go, go ahead. Back to the start, sorry. No, it just completely cuts out. Like, there's no audio. I assume you finish your sentence. Uh, go back oh, really? to... Go back to uh, where you were talking from before. Before I interrupted you, sorry. <laughs> no, I was just I was just saying if we look at John Howard, for example, um, when I mean when he would go after certain, he had certain policies that he um, really wanted to get through, um, and some of them were incredibly unpopular, um, and and he knew that, but he still went ahead. He still pursued those policies, and then. After the interesting thing is that after he had pursued those policies, knowing that the Australian people weren't fully in support of it, his popularity actually went up with the Australian people because he stuck to what he believed in and he didn't cave to um, cave to the interests of, of the media and, and various other things, and he and he stuck to his guns. Yeah, no, I think this is something that was demonstrated perfectly by Trump. Um, he really led the Republican Party in a new direction rather than letting it lead him like a lot of um, previous, even uh, people that contested him in his primary um, were doing, where they were basically um, based, trying to just appeal to what already existed within the party rather than changing the mindset altogether or, or shifting the Overton window. Um so what are some of the practical ways in which you go about advocating for, you know, right for life, anti-euthanasia, uh, the family and, and all these things? Is it uh, sort of through lobbying or is it by staffing or what's your process? Um, so obviously, I mean, to do with our conference, it's part of it is shifting the conversation, actually having those debates and conversations because often they've just been completely shoved out of the um, the the mainstream. Um but the the other thing is lobbying and, and emails and all that sort of administration stuff. Um, we hope to get petitions going anything, anytime we see an opportunity. Um, but yeah, as as mentioned earlier, our main thing is that we want to get um, we want to get involved in other cons- Christian ex- organisations in this sphere um, because we don't want to divide the resources too much. So we want to be able to help them out in the campaigns that they're already running, um, so that we're just not too um, divided and 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 trying to tackle an issue from far too many organizations um and that's really our main goal yeah yeah no your um your practicality is definitely impressive um uh, even with we'll, we'll talk about earlier with the abortion issue um there has to be some recognition of what's actually going to work rather than idealism that uh, won't get us anywhere um so yep, yep. Uh, we mentioned before you have uh, some problems with the Liberal Party. I don't know that there are many Liberals that will publicly criticise the Liberal Party these days. Um, what are some of the the biggest faults that you see with it? How, how has it fallen from the days of Menzies? I know that you admire him. Yeah, well, um, I would if, if, if we could later, I'd like to talk about um, where I see, where I have great hope in the party as well, um, because I think... Um, 
in recent times, we have seen some good signs. But yeah, it, it certainly has been, it has swayed away from those values and has been incredibly disappointing. Menzies had these 17 We Believe points, which I really honed in on my in, in on in my book. And I think those are the liberal values. Um, and it, it was to, to do with things enabling the individual to be their best. It was, um, I mean, it talked about how at the end, it talked about how there's nothing which we cannot achieve without a blessing of divine providence. So it even had this notion of God involved. Um, it talked about family values. It talked about the crown. Um, and and there are, there, I'm sure there's a number of liberals now who would who would support a republic. Um, it, it just talked about these basic values, basic conservative liberal values, which can which can. Um, it doesn't matter which generation you're in. These are timeless values, and they still speak to the issues of today, and they still um, and they still work. Um, and I think in recent times, I think we saw it, especially with Malcolm Turnbull. It was more about his own personal gain rather than the party doing what's best for the Australian people. Um, and it, and I think he, he cut short a, prime minister, a very promising prime ministership under Tony Abbott. Um, and then Scott Morrison, we saw he was too concerned with being popular and not touching anything controversial. So he, he backed away a little bit. Um, and I don't want to bash Scott Morrison too much because he, he is a strong Christian and, and I do believe he did some great things. Um, but there's just too many liberals who don't, don't, any longer hold to those values which Menzies espoused. Absolutely right. Um, basically, I'd say the Liberal Party has almost completely betrayed what Menzies espoused, especially in terms of immigration restriction. Although we have seen, um, I think Rennick this week came out and made a statement uh, in, in favour of restricting immigration. But um, it's been responsible for some of the highest migration rates, which we've seen has been an ac- absolute economic catastrophe and also has drastically and probably irremediably shifted Australia's demographics um, from its founding stock. Um, but as you mentioned before, you do see some hope in the party. Clearly, that's a factor in why you joined and, and why you do what you do. Why do you see a, a turn coming for the Liberal Party? Um, well, look, there are still a number of members who um, I think are working against the Liberal message. Um, Peter Dutton, I think, has shown great strength when it comes to immigration, when it comes to cost of living, um, when it comes to protecting our our freedoms and our and our individual rights. Um, I think he's he's shown incredible leadership. I I I I do believe that he is the one that can lead the Liberal Party forward as long as he sticks strong to those fundamental liberal values. Um, and obviously, the the Liberal Party we've got to, we can't forget that the Liberal Party is a broad church. But a broad church can still unite under those seventeen we believe values. And if 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 there is a liberal member who who is unable to unite behind those seventeen values, then they probably don't belong in the Liberal Party. Um, and 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 I think one of the big problems. Um, I mean, for example, um, Peter Dutton during the Voice that was a very strong statement, and they won, and they effectively campaigned it, and. And the problem is that they're too concerned about those teal seats, winning, winning back those inner city seats. But they've got to, they've actually got to run for those rural, more rural, regional, suburb, suburban areas um, where there are families, people working hard to make a living. And that's exactly what Menzies' liberal values were speaking to. Yeah. Um, with the, do you think a return to the fundamental values of the Liberal Party will offset the threat? 
of the teal movement and the greens in the inner cities, or are the inner cities of Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane long gone for the Liberals? Um, well, hopefully at some point there can be um, some sort of um, the return to, to normalcy in those areas. But to be honest, I think these sorts of areas, they're living in their own um, leftist echo chambers. Um, and and they, I mean, the Liberal Party has no future there because the Liberal Party cannot, um, I mean, we see this every time the Liberal Party tries to become more like Labor. They'll always go for the real thing. If the Liberal Party comes tries to become more like the Greens, they'll still go for the Greens. If we try to become more like the Teals, they'll still go for the Teals because we're not the real thing. Um, and so we've got to forget those seats. I mean, we can still run and we can still look for opportunities, but the main thing is those seats, they will not elect a conservative figure. They will not elect a someone who's sticking to the Liberal values um, until the Liberals can win seats in the rural, rural, regional and suburban areas until we can win those seats, win elections and display that liberal values really do work and they really do, um, they really are the best thing for the Australian people. I think we have to see a complete shift within the, Labor, within the Liberal Party before we start seeing them win those kind of seats uh, properly though. It will probably yep. take a complete overhaul. Um, so Just on that... Yeah, go ahead. If you're out, John. Yeah. Do you think appealing because a lot of these rural regional areas that are currently in the Labor heartland do have a sizable Christian population? Do you think the re-emphasis of uh, Christian policies and 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 the um, reintegration of Christian thought into the Liberal Party will help in winning over these seats? Yeah. Look, um, Christians now are in a minority. We know that. Um, We know that that um, most of the Australian population is, is um, secular or holds to a different religion. Um, and, and it is a tough, it is a tough, um, we, it's, it's a tough tightrope to walk for the Liberal Party because faith is at the centre of these liberal values. I think if you look at, you know, individual responsibility, individual liberty, where does that come from? Where do you get those ideas of, of, of rights and freedoms. And it all came from our Judeo-Christian heritage. And, and it all came from the belief that every single person is made in the image of God and is made new, unique. Um, and so we can, we can internally, the party certainly needs to return to an understanding that this is where we got our values from. Um, but they've still got to be very, very careful about not um, being too, I mean, they've got to, ensure that they are not um, turning people off because they are not Christian. Um, But I think a lot of people, even if they don't hold, even if they aren't Christian, even if they don't have a faith, I think they'll still respect, if the Liberal Party makes the case, they'll still respect our our Judeo-Christian heritage and that this is where our values come from and that they have made the country what it is today. And that is a wonderful country where people have the ability to make a living and to bring up a family and all these sorts of things. Yeah, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but um, maybe I'll just uh, ask you a question. You keep using the term Judeo-Christian. Do you think that the recent events with Israel-Gaza has sort of demonstrated that this isn't really um, a viable coalition in terms of, well, Christians have a very different faith from Jews 
and also from Islam. And we've seen that play out in the streets where there have been riots and where there have been bomb scares and all of these things. And we've seen how it's sort of created a fifth column within the country, which isn't uh, loyal to Australia's interests and is instead loyal to Palestine's interests or Israel's interests. And that's being advocated within our government. Um, yeah, so I think that's we've got to come back to what does Judeo-Christian mean and, and, and what, are, what are the similarities between those two faiths. Um, obviously, um, the, the Jews hold to the first five books of the Bible or the Torah, um, and that is the Jewish, the Jewish law. Um, and that is what has actually, you know, like the Ten Commandments, these sorts of things. That is what has actually um, been, I mean, the New Testament, Jesus' teachings did not throw out all that ha- had happened in the Old Testament, all that had happened in the Torah. Um, instead, he said, I have come to fulfill the law. Um, and so, and he's not come to get rid of it. Um, so we've got to remember that they're still, in terms of those fundamental values, God never changes. God was the, the, the God of Israel is the same God of today. Um, and we, and so that's, that's got to be remembered, but also, I mean, I was speaking to the CEO of the Australian Jewish association, which is a center right, um, Jewish organization in Australia. Um, and he was saying the most support Israel has received or, or the, his association has received has been from the Australian Christian community. So I think Jews and Christians still have this, although there obviously have been historical differences and there still are, um, problems and differences today. Um, ultimately we do have this shared heritage um, and, and, and we can unite on these values that, that, that are espoused in the Ten Commandments, these sorts of things. Yeah, um, I suppose that's a point that we'll have to agree to disagree on um, because I think that if we're going to create a movement that really will change Australia, it has to be Christ first and really Christ only. And we cannot really accept any of these other faiths, such as Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, and Judaism, or any other faith um, having influence within our government and influencing policy, really. It has to be Christ. He, he's, the, he's God, and we can't accept anyone that denies that, really. Oh, I, I absolutely agree that, um, you know, we can't pretend um, like... But maybe, sorry. Oh, sorry. Were you going to follow up? Oh, sorry. Um, I yeah. cut out, so... Yeah, no, I, I was just saying that I absolutely agree that we can't pretend like all um, religions are the same, all faith is the same. Um, and I do not believe that um, for a second that we should take away that Christ-centered approach um, and putting Christ first. Um, <clears throat> but but I don't think that we have to sever any relationship with the Jews. Um, and that doesn't mean that we have to um, deny Christ or anything like that because we can't do that. Um, but I am saying... Jews and Christians, we do share a lot of our values, um, especially on the conservative side um, of politics, um, and we don't necessarily have to completely step away. But obviously, I do agree that that there we cannot pretend like all religions are the same, and we have to put forward a Christ-first approach. Yeah, no, of course. Um, I suppose we'll move on from that topic. That is, I think, insofar you're being practical. Insofar as there is agreement, we can work together. But, of course, if there is any disagreement, we not, must not fear being uh, completely cutting off any allies if it means com- uh, compromising Christ's message. Um, Matthew, did you have a question? Um, not particularly, to be honest. I think okay. we ran through that pretty quickly. So, If Jeremiah wants to ask us any questions, he's free to. 
Go ahead. Well, I was wondering, so you two, um, do you both um, have faiths? Yep. Yes, uh, so I'm also Christian, uh, Christians, I assume. Catholic. Yes, yeah, we're both yeah, uh, yeah, Christians. Right. Okay, I think gotcha. we've got uh, a little bit of a conservative ecumenical council here. We've got Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox, um, <laughs> <Yep>. United, exactly, <laughs> to Christ to us. Um, yep, yep. I, I, that's the kind of alliance that, that I'd like to see. Although we have our differences, it's much uh, closer. We're much closer to each other than we are to any other faith and to atheists. So um, I think that there has to be Christian unity, um, and that's what would have to base uh, Christian politics around. Um, yeah. So, uh, Jeremiah, have you been a Christian from when you were uh, young, or did you convert? Um, so I've I've grown up in a Christian family, um, and in that sense, have always been a Christian. Um, obviously, it works a little bit different in the Protestant Church to the Orthodox and Catholic Church, um, and I'm in a Baptist church. So um, I was baptized uh, two years ago in January, and, and that's when I gave my life to Christ. Um, and I actually, if I'm I'm leaning towards going into ministry after this, and that goes to that point of um, how can we champion Christian values in a secular society? And I think ultimately it has to come back to we have to champion, um, we have to get back to um, a faith-based society. And I think um, that's why I'm leaning towards ministry because I want to bring people to Christ um, and then we can go from there. But obviously there has to be a balance st- struck in that. Are you going to be able to do ministry while you're? Uh, are you going to pursue uh, politics any further, or are you going to mainly focus on uh, YCFC? Uh, look, um, it really depends on how the next two years of college go, um, but um, but ho- I'm hoping that I can still keep uh, my political connections uh, if I do go into ministry. Um, because I think the two go hand in hand, politics and cult and religion um, or and faith go hand in hand. Um, and 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 our politics is ultimately religious. It ultimately comes back to first principles, this sorts of thing. Um, and if I do get into ministry, um, I certainly won't pull out of uh, out of the out of the culture and out of politics because I think too for too long the church has detached itself from these important issues like abortion, that sort of thing. Um, and that's why we've lost so much ground in the culture. Yeah, uh, I'd say the church has remained somewhat engaged with the abortion issue, but it seems like a lot of uh, issues around that it really hasn't engaged with. It's sort of forfeited everything that isn't within its immediate vicinity. Um, abortion is, in many ways, one of the safest issues a conservative Christian can uh, advocate for. Of course, it's very important. That's not to discount the importance of overturning the current abortion laws. Um, but, uh, for example, when it came to the same-sex marriage issue, we've seen a lot of defection I think, from uh, Protestant churches. But even um, there's been a little bit of timidness from everyone across the board to address it. Um, do you see that issue ever uh, coming back into question and being able to reverse the decision that was made there with the plebiscite? Um, in terms of, sorry, is this in terms of same-sex marriage and that issue? Yeah, just LGBT issues. LGBT issues are more broadly, um, but yeah, same-sex marriage I think is probably the the best demonstration of it in recent history. Um, yeah, well, look, I'll start with same-sex marriage because I think um, the church is very vocal, um, mostly. Um, I think this is where the Liberal Party has abandoned its values, especially on same-sex marriage, 
um, because in in the Liberal Party, we believe statement, it talks about protecting the family, preserving the family, and that that is the. I mean, that's the complete opposite of preserving the family. It's it's breaking up the fabric of the of the family unit and and the nuclear family. Um, but I think the church has always remained engaged. I don't know if we can uh, revert that decision in in the reverse that decision in the foreseeable future. But obviously, we can't we can't give up. Um, but I think I mean a big issue at the moment. I know I'm not sure if we want to get into that in terms of the Catholic Church. Is um, is but a big issue at the moment is the church figuring it out for itself. You know whether we're going to bless same sex marriage. Um, but I think in terms of other LGBTI, uh, no, QIA, fake, sorry, fake yep. news. That's fake news. <laughs> I don't know. Let's just keep this out of the podcast. Keep it to the group chats. <laughs> Not happen, never will happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure. Um, but but ultimately, um, in terms of I think especially transgenderism, um, this is an opportunity for the church. It's the same as I mean, I see it as the same sort of thing we had in the hippie movement um, in the '60s um, and and before. Um, and what we saw were young people everywhere searching for meaning. Um, and searching in the wrong places, but they were still searching for meaning. I think it's the same thing with transgenderism and with all this sort of stuff. It's people searching for meaning, and I think we have the answer, and that is Christ. And that's why I think conservative organizations and churches have such a big role to play in society now, because we have such a big opportunity. If we can preach Christ and him crucified, um, and we can advance this, then there are people who who are, I'm sure, that God is preparing um, to hear the message and to be converted. I'm not sure if you saw recently um, the American conservative uh, turned Australian conservative Elijah Schaefer. He did this uh, interview sort of thing where he was doing uh, walking up to people in, uh, I think it was at Brisbane, and he was uh, interviewing them, asking them about uh, OnlyFans and uh, all these things. And the kind of answers he's got he got was shocking. You know, uh, a lot of them were proud that they were making a lot of money or even small amounts of money off of uh, off of prostituting themselves online. And a lot of them were saying that they're LGBT, this, that, the other. Um, do you think that we're going to be able to turn that around with the current brand of Christianity? Or do you think that, uh, for example, maybe you could speak more specifically to Protestantism. Do you think that uh, current Protestantism can oppose that kind of shift and, and this brazenness with uh, which people express their sins? Yeah, look, it's incredibly sad, the... Um the level of um, depravity we are seeing in especially the younger generation. But I think this is, this is a really crucial thing. Um, and I have such admiration. I don't know if you, I assume, you know, him, Billy Graham um, in the United States, he died um, a little while ago, but he was a prominent preacher during the seventies and, and, and before and, and after he, he just, he preached all his life. Um, and, and the key thing was that he didn't abandon the gospel message Um and he didn't he didn't shy away from tackling repentance and 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 it, uh, hell and this sort of thing he he didn't shy away from the the tough issues um and he just preached Christ crucified and he preached the message of the gospel and there were massive conversions at his um at the Billy Graham crusades um obviously there is clear and terrible sins that are occurring um all around the West, all around the world, and, and there always have been. Um, but I think the crucial thing is that, especially in the Protestant church, is we've got to not mix up the message 
of, um, you know, we always talk about how Jesus goes and dines with sinners. But the important thing is that they went away changed and not Jesus. Um, And I think the church, we've got to be welcoming. We've got to love others and we've got to preach the message, but we've got to ensure that we are not the ones going away changed, the sinners are. Um, and obviously, we're all sin. We've all um, sinned and fall short of, of the glory of God. Um, but I think because sin is so prevalent, um, that's why the message is still just as relevant today as it was um, in Jesus' time. And that's why we've got this hope of, of Jesus Christ and him crucified and, and him returning one day. And I think that's why it can still be a message that can be received and heard um, in Australia today. Yeah, no, uh, no, you're right. There should be no compromise in terms of doctrine, in terms of what we believe uh, when we're addressing the world and sin, even if we are ourselves uh, at fault. Um, I often speak to people, even conservatives, and um, they there is a great disillusionment with uh, the churches and cr- with Christianity, um, I think largely due to the sex scandals uh, a little while ago, although occasionally it's still brought up. Uh, how do you think that Christianity in Australia, what will be the path to rebounding? Do we have to uh, go all the way to total degeneracy in the streets, total uh, licentiousness, or is there a way that we can reverse it before we hit that point? Um, well, the first thing is we've got to um, get back to the basics. Um, and we've got to remember what the church is all about, what Jesus' um, life and teachings are all about. And and what what our our message must be, um, and and I think as soon as we get back to the basics of the message of you know Paul talks about preach Christ crucified and that alone, I mean we we've got to we've got to stop focusing on the differences between the churches. Um, we've got to, I mean especially in the Protestant church we've got a million different denominations, and between the Catholic and the Protestant churches as well, and the Orthodox church, churches and the Protestant church. We've got to, I mean, we can still recognize that there are differences that probably won't be reconciled between our churches, but we've got to unite around this message of Christ and him crucified. And I think as long as we unite around the, these core tenets of the Christian faith, then, um, then, then we can make a real impact. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, um, from, was, um, go ahead, Matthew. And from the Catholic perspective, it's, it's always at these times where you know, things look darkest, things look the bleak, bleakest. There's rampant degeneracy that some of the finest saints of the church have appeared and reinvigorated the people back into the church. And so I think it's it's we're in that time now where we have to step up. It's the younger generation that has to step up and try and bring people back to Christ throughout this country. And it's not in a way of um, dictating to people, but, you know, loving them as Jesus would and being the hands and eyes and in the heart of Jesus on this earth. Yeah, totally agree. Um, actually, that, that brings up something that I wanted to ask you about, Jeremiah. Um, even yesterday, I was talking to a good Christian friend of mine um, in terms of dedication to the faith. He's far ahead of me in many ways. You know, he reads the scriptures. Uh, he goes to church every week. He, he prays regularly. Um, but, Unfortunately, he he sees that there is no value in getting involved in politics. He, I suppose it's sort of a, maybe it's an orthodox thing, but uh, there is an insularity that we should be focusing only on ourselves and that um, the society around us, if it crumbles, it's not, it doesn't affect us. We should be only focusing on ourselves. Um, 
what, what do you see as do you see this as a common problem? Is this something you encounter often uh, with with uh, Christian apathy towards trying to change the society? Um, yes, it is a problem in the church, um, and that's one of the <clears throat> actually the key issues we're talking about in our conference. Is oh, um, we've got a pastor and some others coming to talk about um, Christian involvement in politics, um, and we do it because of the hope we have in Jesus. Um, I think too many Christians have become pessimists when we should be optimists. We have this ultimate hope, eternal hope, that Jesus will return um, and they will, and that we will be with Him one day. And we have the Great Commission. It, I mean telling us to go and make disciples of all nations. And so we have the scripture and we have this hope and that should make us um, excited for the future. And even though we can recognize that there are so many things wrong with culture and society today, um, and even though there are, there are many issues and many areas where we're, we're struggling or, or, or we're losing battles, I guess, um, we have that hope. And so we've got nothing to lose by engaging in the culture um, and engaging in politics. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's we can't be afraid of you know wearing our hearts on our sleeves of being you know visibly Christian in in this world because that's what's gonna we have to set an example for people to follow because a lot of the young people they didn't go to church when they were kids they don't see Christian role models in the schools or in their parents or in the culture so they have to see it from somewhere so we can't have this uh, this her- hermit view of oh, okay I'll worry about my salvation. But we have to worry about our brothers and sisters all across Australia. Yeah, um, and you know it comes back to that thing. You know, if we know that Jesus is returning one day, and we know how we ought to act, then um, why don't we just sit down in our home and and wait for him and ensure that we can't sin in any way because we're not actually going anywhere and we're not interacting with people and we're just waiting for Jesus to return and waiting for um, and waiting for that and because we have that hope. But um, but it comes back to you know that that parable um, where Jesus is talking about, he gives that, that um, there's a guy um, who, who runs this um, plantation or, or vineyard, I believe. And he gives out this money um, while he's going on holiday to his servants to look after. And, and the first one comes back uh, he, and he, he returns and, and one has invested it. Um, one has held on to it. Um, and one has, um, and one has, one has invested it and made more. One has put it in the bank, and one has buried it, um, so that it doesn't it doesn't uh, it doesn't lose any money. But then, when the when the owner of the vineyard returns, um, he's he's disappointed with the one who just buried it because he didn't he didn't put it to any use, and he didn't he didn't. Um, and and I I guess what I'm getting at is, and what Jesus was getting at is that when he is gone. Um, and while he's preparing preparing a place for us, he wants us to be busy, and he wants us to be bringing advancing his kingdom here on earth, um, as it is in heaven, and, and that's what we pray in the Lord's prayer as well. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. You see this throughout the gospel, you know, of what good it, um, is a, a light on a hill if it is not to shine out throughout the world, and so it is very yep. crucial for all of us here as young Christians to be that light to the world to show people that there is a better life out there there's there's a better choices to be made rather than giving up and losing hope yeah absolutely doing nothing is also a sin in a way mm, yep yeah absolutely. um yeah no i mean i suppose we can look at all these examples from the bible we can look at 
you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, we can look at, um, you know, the Tower of Babel, we can look at all these things. And um, these, these are like societies uh, akin to our own, really, in, in many of their faults, um, in terms of the pride, the anger, the lust, the, um, the turning away from God. Uh, we're, I, don't, I wouldn't say that we're approaching a pre-flood sort of society. That seems a bit, uh, a bit exaggerated. But we're seeing, you know, a great rise in all of these um, these uh, t- uh, imaginative ways to turn away from God. Um, but, you know, we look to the example of the men in those times. We look at Noah, we look at um, Lot, we look at, uh, of course, the ultimate example is Christ. When he came, uh, he came in a society that was not doing so well itself. And um, although not all of them uh, chose political means, like St. Paul did when he, when he criticized the king, um, a lot of them uh, still, that well, all of them ended up reforming their society or changing it drastically. They, they didn't sit on their hands and wait for someone else to do something for them. I think that's what they all have completely in common is that they're all men of action. They all picked up what they had. They followed what God told them and they got to work really. And um, I think that's what really uh, all Christians, especially young male Christians, Australian Christians have to be doing today. That's uh, That's the greatest calling of our time is to save the souls that we see around us today that are ailing. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, did you guys want to say anything? Um, yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, and this this is really um, where the um, the Young Conservatives for Christ comes back to. And I think this is what, what conservative values comes back to and Christian conservative values is, you know, it comes back to these, these three transcendentals, which I'll talk about in the conference. Um the truth, beauty, and goodness. And these are things that every human being searches for and longs for. Um, And that's what the conservative message is. We've just got to effectively articulate it. And the Liberal Party has got to do the same. We've got to effectively articulate the Liberal message. Um, And if we can show people that this, when we stick to our values, when we do the right thing, it really works. And it really gives people hope and a future. And if we can show that, then I think we can start to win more elections, and we can start to um, we can start to turn the culture around. And we have to remember, or the Liberal Party has to remember that winning elections means nothing if it means forfeiting Christ. What does it uh, What does it gain you if you sacrifice your soul for the whole world? You know. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Well, I think unless you wanted to ask anything else, Matthew, or if you wanted to say anything else, uh, Jeremiah, yeah, um, I suppose. Uh, yeah, go ahead, I- Matthew. Yeah, I do have one last question. It's kind of off topic, but a, a general theme we have at the National Observer over the last couple of weeks is around discussing environmentalism. We've had um, our co- contributors came, one of our contributors come on a couple of weeks ago who was a former Greens voter. We had a representative from Sustainable uh, Population Australia, a uh, environmental charity. And so we just, uh, I was just curious as to what's your view on the environmental movement and our calling to be stewards of the earth. Yeah. Um, so obviously we do have this understanding that it's God's creation um, and that we ought to look after it. What does that mean um, practically? Um, well, it means that we, we can't always, um, we have to remember that, that, um, that we have to look after our environment. But the key thing is that, um, that, that it can't affect um, human growth and flourishing. Um, our our attempts to, especially I think in terms of the climate change debate, um, we've got to remember that God ultimately has 
um, this all under control. He has everything under control. And, and if, if we're taking environmental action, which is meaning that we're, we're, um, we're affecting and, and stopping human flourishing and growth, then, then we've got to, we've got to realize that this is probably not the right thing. Um, and I mean, we have more reason than anybody else. I mean, we, we obviously don't need to despair. I think that's the main thing. Um, we can have different ideas on how we should approach the environment and how we should approach um, the issue of climate change. But ultimately, as Christians, we've got to remember that we have um, an understanding that this isn't our home and that, and that there will be a, a new heaven and a new earth. Um, and so that because we have that hope, we need not despair. We need, need not be alarmists. Um, and we, we can be pragmatic and practical and, and prudent in, in how we approach these sorts of things. Did you want to follow up, Matthew? Oh, no, I think it, it, it is good for us to talk about this issue because you do see seem to see two, two very contrasting views within the media and the current political class. You know, the Greens, there's this constant doomsday predictions of and rising flood levels and and whatnot and then you have the other side where it's it's just ignoring reality it's not having a debate where i think from my point of view the liberal party could benefit from being a little more open to issues around uh you know uh deforestation for housing uh master plan communities and that kind of stuff and and agricultural use of um, pesticides and fertilizers and how that affects water and how that affects users downstream, which typically are the bigger cities, and, and just a whole, whole bunch of general things like that. I think um, the current uh, current uh, approach by the Liberal Party to just ignore it or just to dismiss it is alienating a lot of these inner-city voters who, on most other issues, are like liberal voters, you know, they're wealthy, they want tax cuts, you know, that, that kind of thing. They want good schools, they want safe communities, they want lower immigration levels. And I think if there's a more realistic approach to these environmental issues that's based on you know, our Christian view, our belief in our Christian faith, you, you can do a lot better electorally than the current status quo. Yeah, no, I, I agree. that um, We have to ensure as a liberal party that we can show a um, that we can show that that we do want we do care for our environment and we do want to look after you know our beautiful nation um, because we've been so blessed in, in in our natural landscape and all these sorts of things um, and I think you know as Christians as well this Greens movement um, it's 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 similar to you know how we should approach um, transgenderism and, and and how we approach the, the big hippie movement um, in in the 1950s and 60s and 70s. Um, not saying that um, the Greens movement is, um, in, I mean, a lot of the stuff they do is entirely bad, but in saying that they're so hopeless um, and, and they, they have no, they believe that it all comes down to this, you know, one planet um, and and we've, we've got no hope if, if, if we if we don't do this in time, if we don't save our planet, um, and it is it is affecting younger generations. The younger generations are becoming more depressed and more anxious, um, and we've got to come into this. And this is an opportunity where we can preach Christ um, and Him crucified, and where we can really impact society um, in in that way. 
Yeah, it obviously all has to come back to Christ at the end of the day. That has to be the center of all of our politics, our worldview, our religion, everything. Um, well, he has to be. I don't know if I said <laughs> the wrong word. But um, uh, I think that basically brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, unless you guys wanted to add anything else. Matthew, any other surprise questions? No, no. Um, just uh, here's a space, Jeremiah, for you to plug anything, anything you want. Yeah, sure. Um, well, um, to your listeners, if you're aged between 40 and 30, I'd encourage you to get involved in the Unconcerns for Christ. No matter where you are in Australia, I'd encourage you to get involved. Um, we provide an opportunity for young Christians to become involved in the political process. Um, we will be in constant communication with you and we'll try and give you speaking opportunities, these sorts of things. Um, but we really want to preach Christ and him crucified and we want to impact politics in a real and meaningful way, not shying away from the controversial issues, but sticking to the truth of the gospel. Um, and I'd also encourage you to go onto our, and if you do want to become a member, I'd encourage you to go onto our website. That's youngconservativesforchrist.com. Um, I do also have my own personal channel. Um, just look up Jeremiah Ambrose on YouTube if you're interested in that, where I conduct my own interviews. Um and if you would like to check out my book, that's available online. Just look up Into the Wilderness, The Future of the Liberal Party Jeremiah by Jeremiah Ambrose, and it should come up, and that's available for a free download online. Um, but, yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you thanks for joining for us, on. Jeremiah. Yeah, we appreciate it. Um, it's great to hear a Christian perspective uh, that's involved in politics. You don't hear that very often. Um, and- Especially from such a young guy, I must say. Pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, no, it's commendable that you set up an organisation. Yeah. Um, would like to probably work again with you in the future, have you on for other interviews. Maybe we'll sort our internet uh, situation so there won't be so much cutting in and out. <laughs> Maybe we'll, I think that's we'll, pay, we'll pay to fly you out of Tasmania. Yeah, yeah my, it's the envy. Yeah. yeah, no, I reckon it's Tasmania. Yeah. We'll, we'll save you from that island. Um, yeah, well, thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's, it's been great to come on. How fitting is it that you're cutting out as we're talking about you cutting out? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Anyway, uh, so anyone that was listening to this, I recommend that you go to nationalobserver.substack.com and make sure you follow. That's where we're going to be posting all of our written articles and we're going to be posting our podcasts. We've got a big week of podcasts coming up. We're going to have uh, this one we'll have released on Monday. And we'll have another um, episode out either Thursday or Friday. That will be our Australia Day episode. And then the following week, on the Monday, we have a very, very big podcast. I want everyone to tune into that. Make sure you follow. Uh, Get excited. You guys are going to love what we have planned. Um, And apart from that, thank you guys for listening. And God bless.